Chris. Hello, Sharon. <laughs> what did we see that in today? What were we watching? Was Good Eats. Was it in Good Eats? Yes. Was it A, B, and W? W. Hello, W. Hello, A, B. <laughs> That's funny. It is. Let's talk about the crown. Well, let's let's pause for a second. Okay, let's not talk about the crown. I know we've just started, <laughs> but let's say something like, "Welcome to the crown cast." Welcome to the crown cast. Do we we need a, a regular way to start? Yeah, yeah, we do. That's like, why I was thinking, like you know, "Welcome to the crown cast." We can chit chat for a minute for less sure, than I don't, a minute. I don't mind the chit chatting at all. I don't either, but we need like a formal beginning. We keep starting this podcast. I know. I like starting podcasts. With I know. You. Welcome to the Crown Cast. Welcome this, to the Crown Cast. This is our our weekly review of the Netflix show The Crown, mm-hmm. which we have started watching again in preparation for the upcoming season three. So we're starting at we started at the beginning. We've been through a couple of episodes now. Starting to get the hang of this thing. I hope. We'll see. Welcome to episode three. Take 47. Here's my radio voice. That's not your radio voice. How do you know? I've never been on the radio. You've been on a radio. When? I don't know. No. Have you ever stood on on top of any stereo furniture? Doubtfully. Hmm. I was thinking there was maybe a chance that you had been in, on incidentally been on the, the radio. radio. Yeah. <laughs> not doing that. Damn it. Not this week. I mean. <laughs> so season one, episode three. Windsor. Windsor. Is the name, is the title, excuse me, of this episode. And this is season one, episode three of the Crown Cast. Champagne at a funeral. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, me too. Because Edward VIII visits for his brother's funeral, and he is the Duke of Windsor. So that's why this episode is called Windsor. Makes sense. They also talk a lot about the last name Windsor. They do. It's a big deal. The last name. I'm doing air quotes for last name, because that's not really a thing with royals. But you need to have an of The assumed name, yeah. Right. So, as we know, the king is dead. Long live um, the king. Long live the king. Um, and we get to see the young princesses in the opening scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see the abdicated King Edward the Seventh. Is that right? The Eighth. The Eighth. His given name. This is awesome. Let's have it. Edward Albert Christian George Andrew Patrick David. I think they slipped like three of the four official saints of Ireland in there somehow. Could, could you say his name again, but with an Irish accent? No, oh. no, I be can't. Awesome, I can't. 
they did a good job of showing us all of the awkwardness at the beginning of this episode. All through this episode. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because Queen Elizabeth is just starting out. Like she's, it's her first day on the job <laughs> and she's got her first little red box with the queen emblazoned on it. Well, the first little red box says, still says the king. Well, fine. That's... And I got a little pissy about that. So what's his name? The guy that looks like the other guy from that soap opera. Um, <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down. Oh, the gray haired one. The dark haired one with the mustache. The sort of Tom Selleck of the show that also looks like the guy from that soap opera that was in Titanic. Yeah, he has great hands. Do your own research. Um, so that guy is sort of hand-holding Elizabeth through right. her, her details as the queen, as the new queen. Um, we also, we get all of this monarchal douchebaggery from Edward VIII. I think I just called him a jerk in my notes. He's a total jerk. Yeah. He is writing his speech and then he's addressing the nation on the radio, giving his best wishes to the king and for lack of better term, pronouncing his fealty to him. Right. I was excited because I thought we were going to get more Jared Harris as King George, but we didn't get oh, much Oh, that's at all. right. Yeah, we didn't. But we have that to look forward to. That's true. It's a, it's a technique I'm glad that they're employing in this show. So let's go ahead and talk about Edward then and talk about, I know we, probably touched on it in one of the earlier episodes, but his, his history for real. Sure. Edward was the oldest child of Mary of tech and King George the fifth. So when King George the fifth died in January of 1936, Edward became King. So he was Edward the seventh, which is convenient. Just like with Elizabeth, his given name and his Royal name was the same. So that's kind of handy. Just a few months into his reign, he caused a constitutional crisis by proposing to Wallace Simpson, who was an American woman who had divorced her first husband already and was seeking a divorce from her second husband at the time. This was unacceptable on many levels, political and socially, mostly because both of her exes were still alive. Apparently, it's not as much of a deal to the Church of England if your ex is dead. It's really that they're alive and she had two that were still alive. So in order to marry her, he abdicated in December of the same year. His reign was 326 days, the shortest reign of a British monarch. If I recall correctly, we see a lot of the two of them over the next through the season, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Because they feel like they still have a lot of business, which we'll get to in a little bit, to take care of with the royal family. And also, they don't like them. Right. And this is actually, this has got me a little bit conflicted, which is kind of good because we're building complicated characters. Right. So, on one hand, I love the the characters of Elizabeth and her family, like her her mom Mm -hmm. and her sister and the grandmother like these are all great characters right and they've all got this very sort of close-knit family and because they are royalty mm -hmm. they have this holier than thou sort of social contract that they have to abide by mm -hmm. so you can't be divorced you can't marry the american woman who's been right. divorced 
all this sort of monarchal crap that I think is just sort of, it's interesting, <laughs> but weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like when Churchill backed out of the room. Yeah, I know. Like that was yes. hysterical because that's just weird <laughs> as hell. And then on the other hand, you've got Edward who they made a very clear point in the show to say that he is genuinely in love with his wife. Right. Right. And I, I think this is a theme that carries through the next few episodes. Mm -hmm. I totally respect that. Mm -hmm. I respect him wanting to be with this woman whom he truly loves. And is married. I'm just saying she's married. Okay. That's fine. Not judging. I'm just saying. I mean, his motives in and of themselves mm -hmm. are valid and true. Okay. Yes. And that's, I agree that's with fine that. yes. with me. And that's something that makes me respect him as a character. But mm -hmm. then also, he's a jerk about everything. Obviously, it's a docudrama. Right. We don't know that he said these words that he said. But we do know he was kind of a jerk. In the next scenes, as Philip is fixing up Clarence House, because mm. now that they're married, they're living in Clarence House and Philip is having it redone. They are talking about Edward. The women are talking about Edward trying to figure out where to sit him at the funeral. <laughs> no one wants to sit near him. Nope. And they're like, put him over by Churchill. Well, and that was another deciding moment for Elizabeth. She looked at the seating mm -hmm. chart. And she was like, oh, just put him there. Yeah. Some last minute adjustments to the funeral arrangements. If you are in agreement, ma'am, we thought that the Duke of Windsor should join the Dukes of Gloucester, Kent, and Edinburgh. Why not put him there? Close to the Prime Minister. Thank you, ma'am. And then Edward comes in on this huge fucking boat with horns blaring and made quite the impressive entrance. At least he'd like to think so. I got a little pissy, I think, about how the word, he's no longer king. Right. Edward, so we don't call him King Edward. King is reserved for a very certain person, one man. One person is king. Right. Everyone else is a prince or a lord or, right. or whatever. There is one king. But queen can be anyone because there's the queen mom. There's the queen grandmom. We, they're still calling Elizabeth's grandmother Queen Mary. And Elizabeth has to share her title with all kinds of people. And I don't think that's fair. It's it, another stupid monarchy rule. Yeah, it might be because her piece can move in any direction. On the board. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely it. And that's where I, because I noticed that the, that the box at that point said, still said the king on it. They hadn't had a new box made. Right. Yet. The red box, which is also called a ministerial box, hmm. which is a type of dispatch box. The Royals of England's happens to be red. Okay. Which I think is very sweet. I like that they tie a little ribbon around the papers to group them together <laughs> instead of putting them in file folders. Right. That makes me super happy. I wish I would have done that at my previous jobs. Most of these scenes in the beginning are still kind of mishmash we're seeing edward get into the country we're seeing preparations for the funeral uh we're seeing elizabeth's sort of day-to-day -day routine that she's still mm -hmm. kind of new with um so there's some awkwardness there's some well the first time she meets with churchill is super awkward right because he does all of the talking and schools her on some protocol and schools her on some protocol that queen victoria insisted on 
But then at the end of that theme, I was so in love with her in that moment. She said something like, no, you will inform the cabinet minister, not not she, ask she, them. Right. Yeah. She wasn't making a request of mm-hmm. the PM. She was giving an order telling him. And in that moment, when she turns that switch, mm-hmm. this is great acting 101. Like that character goes from questioning herself to answering like that. Oh, sure. And yeah. I just I love watching it happen. Yeah. And that's when Churchill's talking to her about having a long engagement, having such a long time between right. the time when her father died and her coronation, which will will come up again later, which is why I wanted to mention it now. Right. And this is all sort of social and politics and mm-hmm. it's very incestual and, and weird. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I did really like that they talked about, like a lot of this is monarch mumbo jumbo weird shit oh we got to come up for a, uh, with a term for that like not um <laughs> not techno babble okay what would we call it Mom. monarch babble monarch blah blah royal babble royal babble i like royal babble royal babble royal babble one of the royal babbles that i think is really kind of cool is queen victoria's 20 minute rule like she felt that anything could be solved in 20 minutes Set a timer, go, do it. Yep. Make some decisions, do some talking, just get down to the business and get that shit done and move on. And I love that. I think that's awesome. And we're at 21 minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and shut her down. Oh. I'm just kidding. We haven't answered our questions from last week, though. Oh, let's do that. You want to do that? Yeah, let's have a segment. Okay, we ended up having two questions last week. One of the questions was, do the royals still take goodwill tours? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Last year, Meghan and Harry did a full round um, to Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, and Tonga. Like, so they do take these huge. How long was that trip? Oh, I don't know. I couldn't find a lot of information about it, honestly. But you can find all of the royal engagements online at the royal website. You can search up to eight weeks out and find out what. And I don't mean just like top five. I mean, every, every one. damn thing. You have to know their title, though, because they're not listed by name. <laughs> it's all by title. There's not a drop down box. And you Th- there is a drop down box. It's all by title. Funny. <laughs> choose your favorite monarch. I love that. The other question that we had that came up was about Churchill's eulogy, right? which we both really loved. We loved how they, they did the narrating of the eulogy over a a lot of the grieving of the family and stuff. They did it really, really well. It was really well done. And we wanted to know if his actual eulogy was similar or the same to what they showed in the show. First of all, his original, his real eulogy was way too long for them to do that, which makes sense. And the beginning of the eulogy and the very end of the eulogy are the same. They did those pretty much verbatim. This this reminds me of a story from junior high. Please continue. Are you not going to tell us your story? Oh, no, I will. I I just don't want to. I don't want to forget it, but I want you to go on with your point. But I kind of think. 
it's probably a lot like the Declaration of Independence. Like everybody knows the first few lines, but who knows after that? Sure. And I think I imagine a lot of British people may know, may have learned the first few lines of Churchill's eulogy and didn't learn the rest right. to memorize or whatever. So he does the first few lines. And then after that, it's just kind of like all this made up shit in between. Yeah, there was definitely some made up parts. <laughs> Um, you can Google the speech. It's lovely. It's mm-hmm. a lovely speech. Um, like I said, much longer than the one in the show, but a really, a really good speech. Well, and I, I think it's, you know, I think it's obviously we expect them to take some dramatic license. Of course. Um, and you know, for the time that they had, mm-hmm. I don't know how long that, that last scene with uh, the, the eulogy scene was minutes, it's a couple of minutes, yeah. but with with John Lithgow's sort of booming Churchill performance, slow talking yes. Yes. and enunciating very clearly. Right. That's, you know, you're not going to get three pages of dialogue right. out with that. Right. So, you know, obviously they're going to do stuff yeah. like that. And, and I'm sure they condensed a lot and really summed up the feel of the sure. eulogy. Sure. Sure. I, I guess Churchill was always quite elegant, eloquent. Is that why they liked him so much? Because he was a jerk, especially as he got old. Well, I think so. And I think that he had he had presence, you know, he had sort of that public address kind of presence mm-hmm. that at least in John Lithgow's character portrayal of him, uh-huh. he felt was important as a leader. Right. To have that sort of gravitas to be out in front of the public and saying all these important mm-hmm. words. We also need to remember, too, that this was the age of radio. It's true. It was not quite the age of television yet. I don't, I get the feeling that it wasn't anyway. And well, they, I mean, they had TV. Sure. It was the 50s, but I still feel like it was much more of a a radio thing than a TV thing. And I'm sure he came across amazing on the radio. And there wasn't a 24 hour news cycle. Oh, right. You know, this was long before that. Mm -hmm. So. Those radio speeches were important. And yes, as we saw, especially because like when they were on their Goodwill tour Mm -hmm. in the previous episode, you know, those people are not turning on their TVs to CNN. They're just turning on the radio. And in those countries, at least they had, Mm -hmm. you know, the the network was available to broadcast those speeches around the world. So Mm -hmm. that was definitely a very important, powerful tool. Yeah. Then back to the show. Philip is talking to his father and they're talking about the Mountbatten name. Oh, and then I can't remember his name off the top of my head. The German guy? Yeah. We can just call him Klaus. Is that's not his name? Frodrick. Yeah, it's a name. So that's when the Mountbatten thing comes up, really, for the first. Yeah, the the note I wrote down at this point was family bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So basically what they're doing, though, is Philip and his family, his father, Mm -hmm. are trying to get their name, the Mountbatten name, to become the royal name. Right. And Elizabeth is fine with that. And I've got the feeling that she kind of wanted that. It's her husband's name. She wanted to take his name. 
And she wanted her child wants her children to have his name. This is the part of uh, of Elizabeth who is trying to follow custom, right? Society custom, right? And uh, royal babble. Yes, lots of royal babble. But then later on, she is counseled from Churchill and the, and the cabinet and some other people mm-hmm. that she needs to keep the Windsor name right as the royal name, and she needs to move into Buckingham Palace. Right. Which is the other thing she did not want to do. Right. She really liked Clarence House. And her husband had just finished redecorating the whole place. So we kind of skipped over the funeral. We did kind of skip over the funeral. Um, they, they go to Westminster Abbey. In the show, they do say they go to Westminster Abbey. His funeral is actually at Windsor Castle. Okay. And St. George's Chapel of Windsor Castle, which is also where he's buried. So he's not interned at Westminster Abbey? No, he's not. Okay. Um, He did get moved to a different spot in Windsor Castle in the 70s, I think. 60s, maybe, I think. Well, you know, people like to redecorate. It's true. Even saints. Saints? It's a chapel, so that's where the saints live, right? Don't they go marching in? I'm so confused right now. You said they like to redecorate. I I know. I, I meant people. Yes, and. Aren't we supposed to be funny? Yeah. Remember, this is the awkward episode. <laughs> well, we're doing a great job of it, Chris. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so, we're at Windsor Abbey slash Windsor Castle for his funeral. See, this is tough because we're talking about the show and we're talking about real life. <laughs> okay, we're, we're at Westminster Abbey then. High roll. We're at the place where they bury him in the show. Okay. That was a fancy rig under that floor. It was. Uh, it was very uh, Game of Thrones intro. Yeah, it was. <laughs> all, this, all this clockwork that moves up and down. Right. There's a scene where, uh, I guess the end of the scene is Elizabeth throwing dirt down uh-huh. the hole, you know, on onto the casket. Where'd but, they get the dirt? Uh, Westminster dirt pile. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But right before then, the rabbi had snapped a ceremonial scepter and kind of thrown it down right into the thing. And you and I both sort of reacted to that. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting. We rewound it and we watched it again and it was just a white stick. Yeah. There was nothing fancy on it at all. Not at all. So it was just sort of extremely ceremonial. Yeah, like, <laughs> maximum ceremonial. Yeah. And then the next day there was more duck hunting. Of course. There's always duck hunting. There's always duck hunting. And Philip's father toasts to the Royal House Montbatten. Yes. That's not going to happen. And there was oh so much drama. Spoiler alert. So Klaus the German guy goes running off to the family and blah, blah, blah. There's all this back and forth about Montbatten and Windsor. And yes, it was very dramatic in the show. Personally, I find it very ridiculous. Banal. Yeah. You're too far above it. It's true. I really am. I'm, ab- I'm above <laughs> royalty. Edward goes bitching to his mom at this point about that 10K, about that 10K pounds. Yes, he's whining about his, his allowance that he's not going to get anymore. 10,000 pounds in 1952 is now worth $96,500 per year. Per year. We can round that up, I think, to just a mere six figures. 
fair, not even six figures a year. Every day is a struggle, he says. He, he did actually say that. Every day is a struggle. Who can live on 10,000 pounds per year? Don't know. I can only go duck hunting three times a week. <laughs> and that's when Prince Ernst Augustus of Hanover comes along tattling about the Mount Blatton thing. Right. Because they were at this big party. And then he tells them that they were toasting mm-hmm. to the Mount Blatton name. Mm-hmm. And then Granny goes, what were you toasting with? Champagne. And I'm just like, because, duh. And she kind of freaked out because it was the day after. Yeah. Her sons. And this was a relative. Um, Ernst Augustus of Hanover is the son of George III. I don't know the line back that far. Sure. To know off the top of my head exactly how he's related to the queen grandmom. QGM. <laughs> I like that. And then we get to talk about Peter some. Peter and Marge. Margaret. Sorry. She lets me call her Marge. Peter and Marge. I don't remember. Peggy. Who... I call her Peggy. Margaret is. And Peggy. Yeah. <laughs> Peggy's my favorite. Poor Peggy. She's not the prettiest or the wittiest or the New York Cityest. <laughs> it's true. All very true. Might be why she's my favorite. So Peter's wife has R-U-N-N-O-F-T. Well, tell me who Peter and Margaret are, because I didn't pick that up. Margaret is the princess. And Princess Margaret, Queen Elizabeth's sister. Oh, got it. Peter's boyfriend. her boyfriend. Got it. Peter's wife has R-U-N-N-O-F-T. Sorry, I'm tired, y'all. And Margaret is not sorry about that. Why would she be? Why would she be? It means they could potentially be together, maybe, possibly. Well, but he's a almost. He'll be a divorcee, though. Yeah, I know. And as we discussed earlier, eight ball says, <laughs> "Ask again later." And then she hides behind the curtain while Philip talks to Peter <laughs> about flying aeroplanes. And that was a funny scene. It was a funny scene, but it felt just sort of stuck in there, just for dramedy yeah. purposes. Yeah. But she's cute as a button. I mean, God, she is. She's so cute. I'm going to miss her this coming season. I'm yeah. going to miss that actor. Philip mentions the death. I don't know how you just mentioned this. The death of his sister, Cecile, who died in a plane crash. She gave birth in flight and both bodies were found in the wreckage. And then they all giggled about Margaret hiding in the curtains. It was very odd. It was very odd. And I think it's I think it's just a little... What's that called when they foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Just, which is clumsy. It was clumsy. It was. That's a good word for it. It was very clumsy. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they were trying to throw so much awkwardness in this episode. Right. They purposefully did that kind of stuff. There's already so much awkwardness in, in the episode right now. Anyway, let's just talk about Philip's dead sister for just a little bit. Cram it in there. See if anybody notices. Because all that's going to come back. Right. Later. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe that's one of we, his reasons for wanting to learn how to fly. Right. Like, that, And we'll find out more details that can on be that a thing. later, for sure. Then we go back to the fucking Mountbatten thing. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this episode. I didn't realize it until we started going over it. Like, every other paragraph on my notes is about fucking Mountbatten this and Mountbatten that. Right. Jesus. Give it up. It's like Elizabeth. Like, my name's Elizabeth. What's wrong with that? Boom. 
And there was a little bit of foreshadowing of the Mountbatten thing back when, in the last episode, when she read the letter from her grandmother that said, Elizabeth Mountbatten is dead. Right. And this is where Liz really puts her foot down and says, I want my husband's name. And Churchill's like, I'll discuss it with the cabinet. And she says, no, you will tell the cabinet. You'll tell him. No. You will inform the cabinet. Prime Minister. And then she also points out in this conversation that she knows that the people want him out. Right. And want his second in command in. Right. And that she knows that he is holding on to the power he has because no one's going to kick him out while he's planning her coronation. Sure. For her father, I think it was like five months between the time he became king and he was coronated. And Churchill wants almost a year and a half. Yeah. For her. Like she said, 16 months. Yeah, which is ridiculous. It really is. It shouldn't take that long to plan a goddamn inaugural ball. And he knows it doesn't. Right. And it's a power play and she knows it. This is where the show does a really good job of sort of pitting the politics against the monarchy. Right. And it's very interesting to see these characters who are all sort of prim and proper and British trying to just figure out who really gets power in which situation. And it all comes down to power again, doesn't it? I hate it. I hate it. (sighs) Such a thing. Money and power, power and money. Money is power. She also brings up Clarence house again at this time. Right. That she's not moving out of Clarence's house. She will not move into Buckingham Palace. She's staying in her house because that's her home. So correct me if I'm wrong. At this point in the show, they start doing some other things because there's a moment where Philip and Elizabeth mm-hmm. are at an, at an opera or a, a concert yeah, or something. Yeah. And the, I noticed like the music we were listening to at this point was very different. It was very much mm-hmm. classical strings. It was still orchestral, but it was just a different style of music. Mm-hmm. That was also when Margaret was walking through the palace and ran into her boyfriend's office. Right. And like was rubbing all up on him and then walked out. Right. You know, very traumatic. So there's, yeah, it was sort of a segue. It was kind of weird. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't really know what was going on. I still don't. That's why I didn't write anything down about it. But before this point, Elizabeth seems to have made decisions Mm -hmm. in terms of her name and her residence. Mm -hmm. She, She had been given counsel and advice from various different people. Right. Uh, I don't remember if the music scene I'm talking about is before or after the scene with Edward the eighth, mm-hmm. but you know, they sit down and have a lunch and he gives her right. some advice. I found it interesting too, in that lunch, like it was set up buffet style and she like makes, makes him a plate yeah. and pours him water. And I'm just like, Oh honey, Queens don't do this. <laughs> you still haven't gotten Churchill that memo. knows that. And Chris knows that. <laughs> But then afterwards, she's a nice person. I know she though. is, and I love her for that. I love her for doing that because she's in her home, and this is her uncle. Yeah, yeah. You know? She was happy to do it. It didn't make any difference to her that she's the queen. Right. I'm assuming that what we're supposed to understand is that afterwards, after this musical interlude thing, okay, she has been counseled by everyone, and her mind has been changed. And I think Uncle Ed was the tipping point on that. Because they don't show their entire discussion. He says, there are two things I want to talk about. One was Mountbatten. And she's like, fine. What's What's the the other other thing? What was the other thing in your mind? Because they don't talk about it. They don't talk about the other thing? No. 
Um, I think the other thing was Clarence House. Whatever it was that they talked about changed her mind. So this is what I'm thinking, because right before this, Churchill met with Edward. Right. Edward asked Churchill to get his allowance reinstated. Right. Edward asks for a title for his wife. Sure. And at this point, Churchill's getting a little pissy because he's a little pissy anyway. Nobody wants to give his wife a title. And he's getting a little pissy. And now I'm wondering if Churchill told Edward, okay, I can work on those things, but you need to corner your niece and you need to talk to her about her last name and about where she's going to live. So, cause there's a lot of tit for tat in this show. In, True. Well, in the way this show portrays how the Royals deal with things. Right. There's a lot of, I did this for you because Churchill points out, I defended you when you abdicated. Right. Because I believe in love. Quid pro quo, Clarice. Right. Edward did apologize to Elizabeth. I liked that little back and forth. To Elizabeth and her husband. I don't remember. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. She talks to him about, don't you think you should apologize to Philip as well? Yeah. Her point was when he abdicated, she then became in line for the throne. That's true. And so that was sort of his fault that she is in this position. That she was there in the first place. Did you notice no. what she was wearing at that lunch meeting? I certainly did not. <laughs> she had on like a gingham shirt. It was dressy, but it was still gingham and a very simple cardigan. But she was wearing this sweet flower basket brooch that was just lovely. And it turns out this was a gift from her parents to mark the birth of Prince Charles. She wore it in his one month photo shoot along with her classic three-stranded pearls and she still wears it often she likes her brooches to match the color of the outfit she's wearing and this brooch has diamonds and rubies and sapphires in it so it matches a lot Mm. of her outfits so she wears it a lot and the other brooch that she wore a lot in this episode is the dorset bow which was a wedding gift to her grandmother queen mary the queen grandmom Mary gifted many of her own wedding gifts to Elizabeth when Elizabeth got married. And she wore that to Charles's christening. And she does still wear it often. While you were talking about that, I remembered that I forgot to tell you my story from junior high. You did not tell me your story from junior high. So the thing that reminded me of the story from junior high was. The eulogy there? Yeah, yeah. Churchill's eulogy Mm -hmm. from the previous episode. Uh, started and ended basically with the actual text from the actual speech. Right. But there was a lot of uh, royal babble in the middle. Mm -hmm. So that reminded me of my seventh grade math class. I do not know what kind of math it was. Not really a fan of math, personally. I don't remember this teacher's name either. Oh. Charlie probably remembers. I'll have to ask him. (laughs) Because Charlie had him as well. That was always really a pain for me because I I had a lot of teachers that Charlie had Uh the year after Charlie had them. So, so Charlie was still fresh in their mind. Right. Did they have greater expectations of you because Charlie was your brother? Or did they have fewer expectations of you because Charlie was your brother? Let's say they had greater expectations than the results that they got. <laughs> um, so this particular math class, I wasn't a fan of math, as I've said. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't do the homework. So 
not turning in homework meant that this teacher would ask you to do a, a multiplication table. Right. So he would ask you to write out numbers in a grid and like one through nine at the top and one through nine at the right. down the side. Okay. And then do all of the multiplication. Mm -hmm. How long would that take now? Like it, it would take me all of three I don't and know, a half minutes. Sure. I was going to say 15. I don't like math. Um, <laughs> but then of course, like he gives you till the next day to do it. And oh. that's just more fucking homework. Right. That I didn't do. So I go in the next day after having been assigned a 12 by 12 multiplication table and I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in his class at the beginning and I'm just like, oh shit, I've got to do my times table. Mm -hmm. So I wrote it out one through 12 on the top and the side. Mm -hmm. And then I knew from experience that this teacher only checked the squares. Oh, the diagonal. Yes. <laughs> so I did all the squares up to 144, up to a gross. And then I filled in numbers that sort of looked accurate. And it was just sort of ratios in my head. What grade was this again? Seventh grade. You didn't know your time. So wouldn't it have been easier to just put the right number in? I didn't have time to do that, though. I had mere moments in the class to write this out bef <laughs> before he would ask me to hand it into him so that he could check a couple of the squares and be done with it. Oh, Chris. And he did exactly that. He called me out. He said, oh, let's check nine by nine, 81, whatever, you know, and that's that's all he did. He just checked a couple of them. <laughs> and he's like, OK, thanks. Third away or whatever, or whatever teachers do with the crap people give them. And then you Christmas treat that. And Chris. then I, I totally did. I moved on with my day and I was just like, that was a total win. Just like Churchill's eulogy. It's hard for me to not see the comparison, <laughs> honestly. Because Churchill probably isn't much of a numbers person either. So anyway, thanks for that, everyone. Moving on. Well, there's not a whole lot to move on to. We're kind of down to the end, right? Yeah, where Elizabeth sits down with Philip and is like, we're not using your name. We're not living in your house. He said, I thought we were in this together. Right. And that made me so sad. Yeah, they're, they were in a partnership and they wanted to do this together. Everyone was okay with it. And now she can't because, oh, she's the queen. Right. It also shows how unprepared Philip was for her becoming queen as well. We all know that True. she was very unprepared. No one expected her to be queen at 25. Her father, well, when he got ill, he tried to show her a couple of things. I think he thought he was getting better. Yeah. So this was completely unexpected. And it was, they thought they were going to, you know, live somewhere else for a while and raise their kids and do all these things that they had planned for. Right. And none of that happened. And then the show ends with them all moving into Buckingham Palace. The L Windsors. Little awkward. What was your favorite uh, thing from this episode? I really liked noticing how the queen grandmom, who was still wearing black, had such a stick. Because I looked up pictures of her after this. She had such a stature to her. I think she was probably a tall woman. Mm -hmm. And she stood every inch of her height. And she wore collars. Of course, they were heavily gemstoned. They were pearls or they were diamonds or they were rubies, but she wore collars more against her neck, along with necklaces down her neck. 
right. pearls on pearls on pearls on pearls, which made her, even though she held her head up very high, it doubled or tripled the appearance of that. Sure. And she seemed to be a very proud woman and a very majestic person. And I really like the way they are portraying that yeah. in this show. It seems like none of the cool characters are really in this show a lot mm-hmm. because we got a lot of the, the Mountbatten. Yeah. And the Edward. Right. And that was all very awkward and just wait till they become Nazis and then it's really going to get awkward. Right. I hope they cover that. Do we have any questions for next week? I don't have any questions. I don't have any answers. Well, I guess that makes us perfect for each other. Aww. <laughs> Oops. Made loud voices on the radio. Oops. See. I guess that's it then. Yeah. I feel good about it. I'm happy to crown cast with you, Chris. Oh, me too. Because I love you. I love you too. I'll see you next week. God save the queen. God save the queen. Totally to your time. The podcast where the stars align. Reigning queen is every. King Chris got that royal sound. When he's discussing the crown. Grab your scepter and around. It's Tiara time. It's Tiara recording we're recording oh is that what the red dot means yeah (laughs) i'm so smart the fan is off in the closet i'm not in the closet okay but the fan in the closet is off correct i just wanted to make sure because if we had to do it again i wanted to start now the password is (laughs) drink your oval teen what a crummy commercial <laughs> and scene. We should start again. Much more well. How do you say that? Better. God damn it. The shows are put together well. They're put together much more well. They're put together much better than that. Just like your sentences are compared to mine. <laughs> you, you, you do you, babe. I'm trying to, but the words don't make any sense. They don't. I'm sorry. It's like I get to the end of the sentence and I say the wrong cranberry. (laughs) 